Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Um, so last class session, we pulled an audible and uh, we talked about true romance. That was something I wasn't expecting to happen. It was something I was hoping would happen, but I didn't want to rely on it. And it happened kind of late in the process. Um, so, yeah, we talked about true romance. We're back on track now with Pulp Fiction. OK, here we go. Um, so one of the things that uh, Tarantino really wanted to do with Pulp Fiction was try to tell three standards of the crime genre. Um, you have the mob, the mob guy who's just supposed to be the beard for the boss's wife for a night. Um, you know, you can take her out, but don't touch her, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then you got the boxer who doesn't throw the fight like he's supposed to. And then you have this one, this one wasn't quite as much of a pulp standard, but it, you know, like every action movie from the eighties and nineties pretty much started with two hitmen coming in, blowing somebody away. And then we cut to the action hero, like Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever. And then we knew they were going to tie in somehow. So he figured it'd be fun. What if we just followed those hitmen for the rest of the day? What we just saw, like, like what was the day before they came in and, and killed the guys? What did they do afterward? That kind of thing. And the original idea was that they'd just be true anthologies. They would just be, you know, separate stories. But the more he thought about it, he decided to do something different. He decided to give it a more, um, structure it like a novel, where they would be three stories, as he put it, three stories that tell one story. Because there are three stories where characters can come in and out. You know, the same characters that we've already set up, you know, could show up in another story. And, you know, they're, they're woven together. They're in the same world. Um, and they overlap. And that, that was kind of unheard of in, in, in film at the time. At least film at the size that he was doing it in the States. Um, so in the Robert Rodriguez interview... Um, where Rodriguez interviewed Quentin um, uh, from his show, The Director's Chair. He says, I always thought if you did it the way they did in novels, it would be more cinematic. See, now this is a common structure throughout Tarantino. This kind of idea of breaking things down into chapters and like a novel and all that kind of stuff. He did it in Reservoir Dogs. He did it in this movie. He did, he will do it consistently throughout. Because um, one of the things that, that you can do in a novel very, very easily, and no one really questions it, no one thinks oddly about it is you can start a story right in the middle and then you know and your character I'm, I'm i'm kind of paraphrasing a bit that he did in a lot of his interviews where you know your three characters larry, larry curly and mo right well larry and curly and mo we start them right in the middle story starts to play out we really don't know what's going on and then all of a sudden in chapter four or whatever we we get mo's backstory and we we tell a story about mo from like three years ago um, that kind of gives us a little bit of information on how we got here, you know. And then somewhere by the middle, we're all kind of caught up, and then we kind of tell the rest of the story, and maybe there's a little bit more flashback, you know, going back and giving more backstory, and then we kind of go forward again, you know. This, this kind of story, or or how some novelists would write a story about a character, and then in their next book, that character would show up, but in a small role. You know, they would be this, a support character to our new main character, that kind of idea. See, now we call that stuff cinematic universes, right? That wasn't a thing in movies. <laughs> and so in the director's chair interview, Rodriguez asks him basically, like, how do, you, how do you do this? And what Tarantino says is, I've always considered myself a part of the audience, so I don't second guess it as far as like, oh, I'm going to smarten it up or dumb it down or, or do anything to get an unnatural response. I know how I feel when I'm being jerked around and it's fun. 
And I do like jerking them around a little bit, the audience. So he talks about this movie and talks about how that structure worked in his favor because ride I'm 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 just going to go ahead and assume you've seen this movie. I if you haven't watched this movie, you need to stop this podcast right now. Go get Pulp Fiction. Rent it on Amazon. I don't care where you get it. Borrow it from a friend. Watch it. The whole thing. And don't multitask during it. You have to just sit down and watch that movie, okay? Now, I'm assuming you've come back from that and have watched the movie. So we're going to continue now. He says, Audience didn't realize how attuned they had got to the contrivances of movies because they were so used to it. So you could use that against them. You could leave the breadcrumbs that would indicate that you were going to go the way all the other films had gone, and then all of a sudden you make a quick left turn, and they're not prepared for that. They, don't even, they didn't even know they were anticipating what was going to happen next, but they were. So then you use their own knowledge against them, and that's something we talked about beforehand uh, a little bit with Reservoir Dogs, this idea of using, using the audience's knowledge of, of uh, genre or of... Uh, you know, just movies at that point against them. So this is something that Alfred Hitchcock talked about. He talked about how, especially in North by Northwest, like remember the scene in North by Northwest with the crop duster? I'm assuming you've seen that movie too, right? Okay. What every other movie had done at that time was the, you know, the bad guys tell the good guy, you know, meet me here at this time at this place, you know, and you know it's a setup, but he doesn't, right? And usually that scene's done like under a street light, like on a dark, rainy road, you know. And no, 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 no. He does it in the middle of a highway, in the middle of nowhere, in the bright sunlight. And a car comes up and you're like, oh, that's going to be the car. Nope, not the car. It goes right on by. Another car comes up. Oh, that's going to be the car. Nope, not it. And the bus comes up and nobody gets off, you know. And he's like, what the, what's going on, you know? That, that same idea, that same idea of put the audience in a situation we talked about situations in true romance i understand situation is not storytelling though right okay we got that okay great um the thing about stories is stories are not independent of situations you can have a story you stories exist in situations it's just that they have to break out of that situation and move into a different situation otherwise it's situations can't be stories. Stories have situations. That's that's the clearest way I can do this right now. I'm, I'm really amped. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, so you put the audience in a situation that they're familiar with. And then as the story develops and unfolds into a new situation, where they think they're going to go is not at all where you're going to go. You're going to go somewhere else. Okay. That is the most crucial thing to making a story that feels original. Because what most storytellers would tell you is that there really are no original stories. Um, some people have said there's like 11. Some people have said there's seven. Some people have said there's three. Some people have said there's really only one story out there. But if you package your stories in a way that the audience is not expecting them to go, you can create something that feels, quote, original, something that feels fresh, something creative, something that feels new. So, like I said, I didn't want to give away this movie, but like, for example, when this movie came out, Quentin went to see it with a lot of audiences. And what he noticed would happen is you'd start with Pumpkin and Honey Bunny in the diner, right? 
and then you go to Jules and Vincent all the way up to the kill. And then we follow Vincent taking out Ms. Mia Wallace. And then we go to Butch. Ooh, his story doesn't even start like doesn't start at the ring. It starts with with um Christopher Walken giving him his dad's watch. And then and then we go back to Vincent and Jules after the kill, all the way from the kill beyond. And then we follow them, and then all of a sudden we're back in the diner. And what would happen was once he showed the exterior, the establishing shot of the diner, the exterior shot of the diner, all of a sudden the audience started catching on. And all of a sudden it would be just one of those, you son of a bitch. I had no clue how you were telling this story until right now I get it. Because that was such... It, it, it was such a different idea for audiences at that time to watch a movie like that, to watch a story where the characters, it obviously all takes place in one world because the characters are overlapping and sometimes they're more prominent and sometimes they're not, you know, and, but we're jumping around and I don't really know where Vincent Vega gets killed over here, but he's alive over here. And I, I don't know what's happening, but that moment, if you can give that audience, any audience that moment of like, oh my God, I know what's happening now. That moment of, of not where they're ahead of you, but when they finally catch up to you, that's maybe the best thing you can ever give an audience. So think outside the box. Don't give the audience the same story they've, or even worse, the same situation they've seen a hundred times before. Don't do that. If you really want to blow away an audience, you got to give them something new. you got to give them something fresh, something they've never seen before. Wow, that was so short, but that was so much fun. Um, that's really all I've got for this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's really all I've, all I have to say about Pulp Fiction, um, which is a little sad because it's such a good movie. Um, but I think there's a lot of really good information in there, and there's some great quotes from Quentin, and kind of gives us kind of a hopefully a, a better way of thinking about it because we this movie has been around for so long, and we've seen so many other movies try to rip this off that it's hard to go back to what that was like when it first happened. So, um, yeah, we're back on track now. That's all I have for this class session. We're going to get into Desperado from Dust Till Dawn and Jackie Brown next. Don't forget to check out the latest experiments on uh, in our Robert Rodriguez method on the Hitchcock University YouTube channel. Um, that will uh, uh, New ones should be dropping first of every month, and there's there should be some supplemental materials as we go along as well. You can keep track of all that uh, pretty easily through the... Hitchcock University Facebook page or follow us on Twitter uh, at Hitchcock, no, at Hitch underscore U as in university. Um, yeah. Um, if you like what you're listening to, please give us a comment, a rating, a review, a like, a thumbs up, or something. Or if you don't like what you're listening to, you can do that too. Uh, you can get <laughs> um, just with a thumbs down or an unlike or a really angry emoji. Um, you can do that on uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, of course, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you listen to the show, really. And then that's, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And then, of course, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, otherwise, you can always, um, if none of those other methods work out for you, you can definitely always email the podcast directly at uh, HitchcockUniversity at gmail.com. Um, that is all we have for this class session. Uh, thank you once again for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. 
Um, my name has been Taylor Bickle, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks, guys.